The reading is from Genesis chapter 45, and you can find it on page 50 of the uh, Church Bibles if you want to follow it there. So Genesis chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves and so can my brother Benjamin that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honour accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brother had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan, and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, Do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing But to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father. 
10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away and as they were leaving, he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. This is the word of the Lord. Helen, thank you very much. Let's uh, take a moment to pray. Lord, we pray that you will open our eyes to see you at work, even in those times when it seems less obvious, and show us, we pray, how we should respond when we see it. Amen. Our title of our series is The Hidden Hand of God. Time and again, God gets a mention in this story. Uh, If you like to go back, uh, you'll find that something like Bible Gateway is terribly helpful in this regard. And look at the chapters that we've been reading over the recent weeks. You'll find that God gets a mention, I believe it's 35 times. Uh, But not many of those mentions, if any, in fact, actually describe what God is doing, simply that he gets mentioned. But he is active. Joseph spells it out for his brothers, and he spells it out for us. Most of us probably know the story quite well. If you've got your Bible still open, it might be useful to follow along. He starts by... talking to his brothers and telling them how he came to be there. He says, verse 4, I am the one that you sold into Egypt. But in verse 5 he says, but don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. You see, he knows how he came to be there. But why does he say this to his brothers? Don't be angry with yourselves. Because it has all been planned beforehand. There's a plan going on that Joseph sees, if you like, another point of view. If you like, Joseph sees God's perspective. How does he do that? Well, look at verse 5 again. Verse 5 says, he says, God sent me. God sent me here. Verse 7, God sent me on ahead. Verse 8, It's not you who sent me here, but God. Verse 8 again. He, God, has made me father to Pharaoh, lord and ruler over all of Egypt. Verse 9. It is God who has made me that. If we are perhaps reading the story for the first time, maybe we don't see God at work. That's his hidden hand. But Joseph does see it. He has been conscious of God all through his 
events of his life that we outlined earlier. You'll find that Joseph mentions God to Potiphar's wife. He says, why would I commit this terrible sin against God? When he's in prison with the two prisoners, he mentions to them, God can reveal what your dreams are about. Tell me about them. And he says, he mentions God several times to Pharaoh when he's before Pharaoh describing his dream to him. God has been at work even when we don't see him. And why? Why has God been at work? Because there is a reason behind what God is doing. Joseph spells it out again. Verse 5 again. God has sent me here. Why? In order to save lives. Verse 7. To preserve a remnant of his chosen people. Remember, this family is part of the beginning of God's chosen people. Verse 7 again, to save your lives. Verse 7, to make a great deliverance. God has a purpose behind what he is doing, behind the scenes. God is at work with his purpose. These are his chosen people, the ones he has called out from a foreign country and who he is going to give the land of Canaan to. These are the ones that God loves, and God knows what is coming. He has shown Pharaoh what is coming. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, and before it happens, he, God, has made preparation so that these people who he loves and who will serve him are going to be able to survive. It's all planned beforehand. There's a reason behind the plan. And there's a deliverance process which will take place that makes the deliverance possible. We've already seen that Joseph is now the ruler over all of Egypt. And now, Joseph, this ruler, says to them, to his brothers, Come down to me, verse 9. Come down to me, leave Canaan, leave the land where you're living at the moment, and come down to Egypt. Who is to come? Well, verse 10, you, your children, your grandchildren, and verse 19, your father and your wives. I was struck as I was reading that, that it takes another nine verses for the wives to get a mention. Doesn't seem fair, but anyway... They, get, they do get a mention. You, your children, your grandchildren, your father, your wives, come down to me. Why? Because you will be delivered. You will be saved when they come to Joseph. That's the process of deliverance, coming to Joseph. And he will make the deliverance possible because there will be provision in the present moment. Joseph now accepts his brothers. The relationship has been restored. He has realized that they have changed. And so he gives gifts to them and provisions that enable them to make the journey in the present. Verse 19, 
and Pharaoh's instructions, he gives them carts to make the journey easier. Verse 22, there are new clothes for everyone, especially Benjamin. Seems to be a lot of new clothes and posh clothes in this story, doesn't there? New clothes for everyone, but especially Benjamin. Verse 23, they have come for food, and what do they get? They get food, provisions for the journey. They don't need to produce anything for themselves. It is all supplied for them. And verse 23 still, there's donkeys loaded with, well, not just anything, but the best that Egypt has to offer. Joseph gives gifts to his brothers for the journey ahead because their relationship is now restored and he wants them to come. So, it's planned beforehand. There's a reason behind it. There's a process that makes the deliverance possible. There's provision in the present, but there's also a future hope. A future hope. What is the promise of what is yet to come? Verse 10, you will live in the land of Goshen. I wonder how many of us could reliably stick a finger on a map and say where the land of Goshen is. If you uh, know the map of Egypt with the river Nile coming up and the Nile Delta, it's the section on the east of the Nile Delta. Some years ago, it might be interesting to know that the National Geographic magazine, I think it was, I think this took place in the late 60s, National Geographic magazine did a survey of the best agricultural land across the world. Bangladesh and India got a mention. Places in South America got a mention. Some of the southern states in the US got a mention. Excellent agricultural land. But the best agricultural land in the world at that time was the land of Goshen in Egypt. Some of these other places have got two meters depth of high quality topsoil. At that time, Goshen had 10 meters depth of high quality topsoil. They've since built the Aswan High Dam. The Nile no longer floods. The situation may have changed. But this was the land that they were going to receive. I will provide for you there, Joseph says, verse 11. The best of the land of Egypt, the fat of the land, the best of all of Egypt will be yours. That's the future hope for those who come. A fortnight ago, if you were here, Andrew was preaching to us and he was talking about the tests and troubles that the brothers had as they came to Egypt and unknowingly met Joseph for the first time. And he said the emphasis in that chapter, verse, uh, chapter 44, was an emphasis on repentance. The brothers put their present troubles down to God's justice for the way that they treated Joseph when they sold him into slavery. Judah especially has realized his own lack of righteousness earlier over the incident with Tamar. Now Judah has offered to sacrifice himself for the benefit of others, for Benjamin and for his father so that he doesn't have to grieve. All the brothers have changed. 
But repentance needs to be paired with forgiveness. The two need to go together. It may be that some of us, perhaps many of us, can look back at some incident in the past, something that we regret, that we wish we'd done or hadn't done, and perhaps we've never had the opportunity to receive forgiveness for that. The person who we hurt or whatever has moved away or died or is no longer around. You see, forgiveness sets us free to start again. Joseph has the power, has the opportunity to take retribution against his brothers. But instead, he forgives and he offers a better way forward. What a great story. But how does it apply to us today? Well, I don't know whether you've seen it, but there are some excellent parallels here between the life and the events surrounding Joseph's life, parallels with the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus. We said that there was planning beforehand. Well, Jesus was also sent by God. Jesus says in John 5, The work I do testifies that the Father, God, has sent me. He says in Matthew chapter 10, Who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Jesus was sent by God into the world to do what he did. Why? Well, there's a reason behind it. He says, I have come that you might have life. John 10. God sent his son not to condemn the world, John chapter 3, but to save it, to deliver it. Just as Joseph was sent by God and so would save his brothers. And we, here this evening, are amongst those that God loves. And God has prepared a way for us to survive. And there's a deliverance process by which that comes. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. He has made the self-sacrifice that makes forgiveness possible. And we can take advantage of the offer that Jesus makes. Come to the one who offers us forgiveness. And when we do, incidentally, we too become those who forgive others. A plan beforehand, a reason behind it, a deliverance process, and a present provision. Jesus restores our relationship with God. He forgives and he gives joy and peace. He gives us gifts, most notably the gift of the Holy Spirit. He makes us family. He promises to supply our needs. He gives us clothes. He clothes us in his righteousness. Provision for the present, but also hope for the future. Jesus said, 
I'm going to prepare a place for you, John chapter 14. You will be with me where I am. And it's good. Not ten meters of topsoil. He says, I has not seen nor ear heard what has been prepared for those that God loves. It is not the best of the land of Egypt, but the best that God offers. We sang a song and Liam mentioned that there are times when things are dark. Times when we are in grief and we know people in that situation. But as the song says, there is hope in his name. There is hope in his name. Planning beforehand, a reason behind it that we might be saved, a deliverance process that we can come, provision for the present, hope for the future. But let's just pause for a moment. Let's not rush too far ahead. There are one or two searching questions here. Have we heard Jesus' call to come to me? If we've heard it, have we accepted the call and followed it? Do we know that we are forgiven? Do we know that our relationship with God has been restored? Have we received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Just as Joseph did it all for his brothers, God has done it all for us. Some things of it we've seen, some things we've not seen, and yet God has been at work. The question is, have we accepted what God has done for us?